0: dust and um, it's what the Bible says we're made of and in fact over the years I've um, taken scores of funeral services um, and uh, in the committal whether you're at the graveside or whether you're in a crematorium um, in the committal you speak these words ashes to ashes Dust to dust. If it stopped there, it would be very sad, but it goes straight on. In sure and certain hope of the resurrection of the dead. So you're dust. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is the fact that you are dust. In God, you are dust with a destiny. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm dust. But I'm going places. (laughs) Amen? Dust with a destiny. I want to talk to you about the frailty of life. Dust. I want to talk to you about the fatherhood of God because he really loves you, even though you're just dust. And I want to talk about the brilliant future that Father has lined up for his dust children. Okay? Dust with a destiny i'll just uh, give you a a sort of a, a scripture to start with king david writing psalm 103 get up to verse 13 and 14 and it goes a bit like this the lord is like a father to his children tender and compassionate to those who worship him he understands us he knows we're only dust. I like the old version of that second verse which says, he remembers that we are dust. He remembers that he had to deal carefully and gently with us, we're only dust. And dust gives you that impression of how fragile we are, because here we're being uh, compared with or put in the same context as Almighty God. The eternal father, the, the one who has all power. And beside him, we are nothing. We're just dust. Yeah. But we are dust. The Bible says we're dust. Right in the beginning, it says, uh, God formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed into him the breath of life and man became a living soul. So we are all formed and forged out of dust. That's in Genesis chapter 2. But by Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve have sinned. And um, as God explains the consequences of walking away from fellowship with him, uh, he talks about dust again. Genesis chapter 3 verse 19 says, You will work hard for your food until your face is covered with sweat. I'm reading from the easy to read version, by the way. You will work hard until the day you die and then you will become dust again. I used dust to make you. and When you die, you will become dust again. So there's no escaping from it. We are all dust. And that speaks and points up the fragility and the frailty of our lives. And in fact, As time goes on and you get older, you begin to realize just how frail and fragile this dust is. Yeah? Yeah? So there's a sense in which uh, your your dustness catches catches up with you as you get older. And I'm going to read a passage. The text was from David, King David. His son Solomon also wrote about dust. But he wrote quite um, a little sort of explanation of just how frail and how fragile you become in old age, it really punches home the dust thing. And uh, you get it in 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 the book of Ecclesiastes because that's the book when Solomon has got old, and he's not only got old, he's got very grumpy. He's real misery guts in that book. You see, Solomon was was a strange contrast. He he started off the golden boy, you know. He was the wisest man around because God gave him wisdom and he was the richest and God even privileged him with the honor of building the first stone temple in Jerusalem so he was really going places to begin with but then over the period of his life he went downhill he lost fellowship with God he went away from God and and he he ended up a real misery gods basically and wrote the book of Ecclesiastes towards the end of his life and when you read that Well, you can get depressed reading the book of Ecclesiastes. (laughs) Okay. And so at the end of that, rather, by the way, uh, the reason he went downhill was partly because he, in the the early stages, just after he wrote the book of Proverbs, he wrote the book of Song of Solomon, which is the most erotic book in the Bible. And uh, it sort of fits because we find that over the period of his life, Solomon accumulated 700 wives and 300 concubines, okay? And that was actually his downfall, not because there were so many, but where they came from. He imported wives from the pagan nations around in direct uh, contravention of the command of God through Moses, don't take wives from the nations around because they'll bring their pagan religions with them and they lead you astray. And that's exactly what happened to Solomon, he imported wives, he imported their religion, so there in Jerusalem, where he'd been, built this great, wonderful temple to God, there began to be places set up for the worship of idols and pagan religions, these like, like Moloch, where, where they used to sacrifice babies and burn them as a sacrifice to the god Mark. horrible practice brought into Jerusalem. No wonder Solomon lost contact with God and became a real misery gut. But anyway, that's an aside. Let's go to what he wrote in the last chapter of his uh, book of Ecclesiastes about the frailty and futility of life. The whole book's about that, you know. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. (laughs) Enjoy yourself while you're still in the pink. The years go by as quickly as a wink. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. It's late. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes sounds a bit like, doesn't it? Rather a miserable book. But listen to this description of the frailty of old age, mentioning dust, which is our theme, by the way. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 2, once again from the easy reading version. Remember your Creator while you are young. Before the time comes when the sun and the moon and the stars become dark to you. Before problems come again and again like one storm after another. At that time, your arms will lose their strength. Your legs will become weak and bent. Your teeth will fall out. And you will not be able to chew your food. Your eyes will not see clearly. You will become hard of hearing. Pardon? You will not hear the noise in the streets and even the stone Grinding your grain will seem quiet to you. You will not be able to hear women singing. But even the sound of a bird singing will wake you up early in the morning because you will not be able to sleep. (laughs) You will be afraid of high places. You will be afraid of tripping over every small thing in your path. Your hair will become white like the flowers on an almond tree. You will drag yourself along like a grasshopper when you. Grasshopper. (laughs) I think the translator's got the wrong insect there because last time I looked at a grasshopper, its back legs bent the other way. (laughs) Anyway, you got the idea. Drag yourself along like an insect when you walk. Where are we? You will lose your desire. You will lose your desire. Shuck, Solomon, no wonder you got miserable what with 700 wives, 300 concubines, and then the family business closes down. And then, then you will go to your eternal home. You know, it's so miserable, it's comical, isn't it? The mourners will gather in the streets as they carry your body to the grave. Remember your Creator, While you were young, when you die, the dust returns to the earth as it was. And your spirit returns to God who gave it. Yeah, frail dust. And yet, miraculous dust. Miraculous dust. You see, what the Bible is saying, that you and I are constructed by the molding or clumping together... Of trillions of mindless, lifeless, inanimate, subatomic particles. The dust of atoms. Miraculously obeying a divine imperative to stick together and form you. Yeah? Yeah? The Bible says you are dust. In actual fact, modern science agrees. Yeah, I've been reading from the Bible. Now, I want to quote to you from a a scientific book. It's actually a popular scientific book by the popular author Bill Bryson, where he does a survey of all where, where science is up to in all sorts of fields today. And in the introduction, there is a passage which I think is brilliant. Because although it is a secular passage, I'm glorifying God all the way through it. Because it speaks of the Creator without mentioning Him. Yeah, listen to this, okay? This is uh, a secular book. It's Bill Bryson's introduction to his scientific book. Better get to the right page. Here we go. For you to be here now, trillions of drifting atoms somehow had to assemble in an intricate and curiously obliging manner to create you. It's an arrangement so specialized and particular that it has never been tried before and will only exist this once. For the next however many years, these tiny particles will uncomplainingly engage in all the billions of deft, cooperative efforts necessary to keep you intact and let you experience the supremely agreeable but generally underappreciated state known as existence. Why atoms take this trouble is a puzzle. Being you is not a gratifying experience at the atomic level. For all their devoted attention, your atoms don't actually care about you. Indeed, they don't even know that you are there. They don't even know that they are there. They are mindless particles, dust, and after all, not even themselves, alive. And there's a bit in brackets here. It says it is a slightly arresting notion that if you were to pick yourself apart with tweezers, one atom at a time, you would produce a mound of fine atomic dust, none of which had ever been alive, and all of which had once been you. Yet somehow, for the period of your existence, they will answer to a single rigid impulse to keep you, you. Notice how he's talking about God all the time without mentioning him. (laughs) The bad news is that the atoms are fickle and the time of their devotion is fleeting. Even a long human life adds up to only about 650,000 hours. And when that modest milestone flashes into view... Or at some other point thereabouts, for reasons unknown, because he's not mentioning God. Your atoms will close you down, and that's it for you. Still, you may rejoice that it happens at all. Generally speaking, in the universe, it doesn't, as far as we can tell. This is decidedly odd, because the same atoms that so liberally and congenially flock together to form living things on earth are exactly the same atoms that decline to do it elsewhere, as far as we know. Whatever else it may be, at the level of chemistry, life is fantastically mundane. Carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, a little calcium, a dash of sulfur, a light dusting of other very ordinary elements, nothing you wouldn't find in an ordinary pharmacy. And that's all you need. The only thing special about the atoms that make you, is that they make you. Wow. That, of course, says Bill Bryson, is the miracle of life. Yep. You're dust. Yeah. The Bible says you're dust. Science says you're dust. Yeah. You're dust. And I want to tell you something. This dust is fragile. Yeah? Yeah? Our time. When you think of the eternal God and then us with our hundred years, if you really manage it, that's just a moment, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Fleeting. Yeah. yeah, fragile and fleeting. I want to tell you something, dust people. We need to really catch over the fact that we are created beings, and we have a Creator who loves us and is interested in us, has formed us, has fashioned us, and loves us to bits. To be like like the scientific book that leaves God out all the time, that's a dry existence, yeah. Wise men say, yes, there is a creator, yeah? Napoleon was once on a voyage somewhere in a ship, and he was standing by the ship's rail. It was night, and he was looking out over the calm sea, Clear sky, filled with a myriad stars. And a few yards away, his officers were discussing, and uh, trying to sound very sort of uh, knowledgeable, discussing whether God exists. And agreeing that he didn't, which was the popular thing at the time in that group. And so they all agreed that God doesn't exist. And then one of them called over to their commander, Napoleon, and and, uh, they said, Sir, Well, what do you think of this? Does God exist? And Napoleon looked at them, and then he looked up at all the stars. He says, gentlemen, who made that? Yeah? Wise men admit there is a creator. Amen? Amen. And so we are created out of dust, and we are fragile. And, of course, it's not just unique dust. It's the same dust of everything. This is a dust book, this is a dust pulpit. This is a dust stage. You're sitting on a dust seat in a dust auditorium, on a dust planet, which is one of many planets and suns, all gases and all, all made of dust. Dust. Hold up your hand. Now talk to the hand. Put it in front of your face. Say, hand. You're a miracle. You're articulated, you are elegant, (laughs) you're amazing, but you're only dust, the same dust that's all around me, I'm dust. And the eye that looked at the hand is made of dust, and the ear that was listening to me speak is made of dust. And the voice with which you are speaking is made of dust. And the heart which is beating within you is dust. And the blood which courses round your body is dust. Yeah. You see what I mean? It's everything. The brain with all its electrical impulses, it's dust. We are made of subatomic particles. Yeah. And the only thing holding us together is the one that put us together in the first place. Yeah. We are dust. We are dust. There's, there's one from Job. I've passed it, but I'll just read it now. Job talking to God. Remember that you've made me like clay, and will you return me to dust? Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese? You clothed me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews, and you have granted me life and steadfast love. And your care has preserved my spirit. That's Job when he was right in the middle of his troubles. He still knew that God was a loving God. Even though he was sitting there in the dust of the ash pit. Yeah? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And so you dust, but there's good news. And that is the other part of, of what David said in that Psalm 103. The Lord is like a father to his children. God loves you with what I'm going to call this morning, parental love. Yeah. You see, the fact that God made you could be that he was just an artisan, a craftsman, and made something. It's very nice. But no, you are his offspring. Yeah. He has put something of himself into you. And when you are the offspring of a, of a parent, that parent has a special sort of identification, a special sort of love. And it says, David says, now the Lord loves his children like a father, like a parent. Parental love can be so deep. And you know, parental love even loves what everybody else would think of as unlovely. Do you know that? And God loves you. And the only way you can get to verify that god loves you is by personal experience yeah do you know when i was a, a boy about 8 years of age i used to i was playing with a gang of my friends from school up in the woods and uh, i had a new toy pistol and we were playing that sort of game where you were in two bands sort of attacking each other and things but during the course of the game i lost my pistol my gun And uh, I got the other lads to search the woods with me everywhere we'd been and we couldn't find it. Eventually they had to go off to the village and I was left on my own and I went all around the woods again, eight years of age, couldn't see my gun anywhere. And so I remember standing on a path under a big beech tree right in the middle of the wood and standing there thinking, well in Sunday school they say you can pray. And uh, so I stood there, eight years of age, close my eyes because I think that's what you're supposed to do I said God can I please have my gun back and I opened my eyes and there was my gun and it wasn't on the floor just beside the path two briars had grown in two hoops forming a cross and lying at the center of the cross within reach not having to bend within reach was my gun thank you God and I went home But I want to tell you, there was born in that young boy's heart the knowledge that I have a father who loves me. An indulgent father. And I want to tell you, God loves you. And the only way you can find out about that is to try it for yourself. You know, God loves you so much that he became a man, Jesus. God loves you so much that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin, to pay for what is blocking the... the the connection between you and God so that you can be in fellowship and relationship with Father again. And so he came and he died. And then he sent his Holy Spirit so that you can live a life that goes beyond the limitations of your dust frame. The Holy Spirit is a go-beyond spirit. You know that, don't you? That's why all the... Disciples were able to do things that they wouldn't naturally and normally be able to do and know things that they couldn't naturally and normally be able to know. They saw healings, they saw. Me- and so can we today, and do we today? The Holy Spirit is part of God's careful planning yeah. to make up for the fact that we are dust. Yeah, yeah. but we're loved dust. Yeah. And not only that, When I finish with this dust body, I've got a new one without the frailties, without the faults, without the limitations. In this life, I have to have the Holy Spirit to be able to up my game and serve God and do things and know things that I couldn't naturally do by using that supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. But when I get my new body, that operates at that level anyway, the same level as Jesus when he was on earth. That's the body I've got lined up. It's prepared for me. You know that, don't you? Amen. This one may be wearing out, but I've got another one. Amen. I'm going places. <laughs> Amen. But I want to say that uh, that experience of God's provision and the Father's love, the only way you can verify it is to try it for yourself. The only way you can see how the Father's love can work in your life It's to invite him into your life, to give yourself to him, yeah? And that's why it's so very, very important to realize that there was a purpose in Jesus' coming, a purpose in Jesus' dying, a purpose in him rising from the dead, a purpose in church even. It's for us all to come into a personal relationship with our doting Father, and to experience his love and his presence with us every day of this life and forever. Amen. Jesus died on the cross to pay for that for you. Amen. Have you given your life to Jesus yet? Have you started to experience that love yet? Yeah? I was eight. I was actually 11 before I made a formal commitment as a Christian, if you know what I mean. But already at the age of eight, I knew that God loved me. I want to tell you, God loves you too. Yeah? You may be dust, but he wants the clay jar of who you are to be full of the treasure of who he is. (laughs) He loves you so much, he wants to come in and live there. He loves that dust place. He wants to live there. He wants to live in you. He wants to live through you. And the way for that to happen is for you to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ.